Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Eddie. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things. Ha 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 ha. You screwed up. You clicked the Surprise. wrong show. You thought this was the New York Times Daily. Stuck now. That's like the most popular podcast on the market. You guys laugh. New you, York Times Daily? Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? I, sub- I subscribe. Their numbers are probably pumped because they publish every day. Uh-huh. We should start doing that. Streaming Things Daily. Because the weekly thing is going so well. We've done it 19 times in a row. Hey, hey. I, think, I think we can Happy up our 19, game, guys. Yeah, what are we going to celebrate? How are we going to celebrate? I, I figured we would celebrate on twenty, not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we march cider here if y'all want to get litty. <laughs> we march to a different tune here at Streaming That's Things, true. Steve. As everyone knows, we prefer odd numbers. <laughs> Happy nineteenth, <laughs> and then again on twenty nine. Oh, we should celebrate on thirteenth. Oh Damn. man, I can't wait till episode sixty nine. <laughs> oh my god, what nice. a what a weird oh, celebration yes? that's going to be. Yeah, because we're friends. If you've never listened to the show before, you're in for a treat. We are amazing. We are slowly approaching. <laughs> Let me toot my own horn here. We are slowly approaching New York Times level listenership, and you are in on the ground. Of like the, we're coming for you, New York Times. <laughs> the fucking basement of that. Nipping on their heels. Uh, so welcome to the next startup. Uh, tonight's episode is a little bit of a plot twist, which is related to its theme. So we what a twist. We told all of our listeners that tonight all dozen of you. Yes. Uh, well, I think <laughs> New York dozens generous. <laughs> we told everyone that we were going to discuss the new Saul movie Spiral from the Book of Saul starring Chris Rock and I believe Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, it could be mm-hmm. his cousin, Samuel P. Jackson. I could be getting those <laughs> mixed up. It's like a Paul Anderson, Paul W.S. W. Anderson situation. But much and, like the title of that movie, that plan yeah. sure has spiraled out of control. Oh, we have not seen Saul. See Saul? Nobody? We didn't see Saul. <laughs> well, I've seen Saul. So here's what happened. It's very understandable. It. <laughs> Longtime listeners of the show will see nothing amiss in our inability to predict <laughs> this evening's <laughs> events. However, for new listeners, what happened was we assumed that because of the COVID that we would be able to stream, a la streaming things, spiral from the book of Saul in the glory of our own homes. And yet it is only in theaters for once. I mean, this is like one of the first times it's happened that you couldn't actually just watch a movie. From that is Jigsaw's game, dude. You want to play a game? <laughs> Go try not to get COVID in the theater. Yeah, right, Go to right. Movie theater and try not to die. <laughs> Which, there are going to be a ton of people without masks on. <laughs> you have spent your life standing in the shadows. Go out. <laughs> I paid the CDC to make a false claim. <laughs> Eat amongst those who think the election was a fraud. Oh God. Or uh, so. <laughs> Not, I mean, we were all fully vaccinated. We would have gladly went to the theater and and, and watched Saul, seen yeah. Saul, but we Had didn't we know that was a thing that we needed. To yeah, time I mean, that last minute, I literally sat on the fucking couch, turned on my Apple TV with Andy, and cycled through and went, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "What's the problem, buddy?" I'm like, "I mean, it would definitely be on the front page. I think we have an issue here." And he like fruitlessly started to Google, and I'm like, "It's not here. What are we gonna do?" <laughs> um, so instead, what we're gonna do inspired by those events is discuss our favorite movie theater memories and some of our worst movie theater memories because no one is happier than us 
that movie theaters are back on the rise. That, They're back, baby. That, that movies are only available in theaters. We support that. We don't want to go, but we, we, <laughs> we just weren't prepared. I didn't really want to pop my cherry first time to a theater since Uncut Gems on Spiral from the Book of Saul necessarily. Not that there's anything wrong with that. If you went, wonderful. Um, but if you came here looking for an in-depth discussion and review of Spiral from the Book of Saul, you're not going to get it. It's probably pretty good. We're going to have a philosophical discussion about movie theaters themselves instead. Yeah, we're going to have a better episode because let me let me let me let me give you a little preview, guys. Preview them, Steve. There's some great stories coming up about our favorite and least favorite movie theater experiences because we all got them. We've all been to the theater to watch whatever we love. And either we're with people we love and we have a magical experience watching a big budget blockbuster open or we've gone to see a small art house film film. And next to us is some old lady who just doesn't get it. Uh, and hilarity ensues so we're gonna have a lot of personal personal stories and, and that gets me excited i'm more excited about that than uh Saul, personally yeah I, I agree with you steve i support it i support us so you all are lucky that this has happened yet again congratulations <laughs> <laughs> but before all that let's do what we usually do and talk about what we've been streaming since last we met let's delve into a little segment we like to call crossing streams Andy, what have you been up to? What you been streaming? Uh, so I've been streaming a couple of things that uh, after our conversation about comfort foods, I super wanted to watch some of those things. So first thing that I streamed was Hot Fuzz, mm -hmm. um, the Great Edgar movie. Wright movie uh, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. That movie is probably the most rewatchable movie of all time. Literally every time I watch it, I see something new, catch on to something new. This time when I was watching it in the opening monologue where uh, Simon Pegg's character, uh, Nicholas Angel, is talking about his career in uh, the police service. I noticed that when he des describes it as the police service, he enunciates the service part. And it's a baby little foreshadow moment where later uh, when he's talking to uh, Danny, um, Nick, Nick Frost's character, he says, uh, uh, we can't call it the police force. That's too aggressive. We we call it the police service. Uh, oh, okay. And uh, so there, and that that comes up a couple of times. He also mentions it like to his ex girlfriend, Kate, paid, played by a masked Kate Blanchett. He yeah, says, he says that I have to call it the service. But the tiny little like in the script, it's definitely in italics. Like he says, the police, the Sanford's police service. Yeah, right. And I was That's like, such a tight script, dude. <laughs> everything about that script is foreshadowed a million different ways ahead mm -hmm. of time. Like it is the tightest script ever one of the most rewatchable things that's I, how i like my scripts i like them toit scripts toit yeah toit scripts i get toyered if they're not toit <laughs> i like my scripts toit i've told you 33 times that that's what i like <laughs> <laughs> um can't wait till you th turn 33 i'm gonna say that all year <laughs> every dirty day. Tree. Dirty tree. <laughs> you're, you're you're a dirty tree I said, I'm dirty tree. <laughs> um, so then after that, then I was like, oh, I love comfort food movies. And now we watch World War Z. Because God damn it, Andy. Son of a bitch. Because I can't help myself. Steve, what have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so World War Z, I, I, I waxed lyrically about it before. Uh, it's a comfort food movie for me. Uh, go watch it. It's pretty good. Uh, other than that, I, uh, I bought and completely binged through Resident Evil 8, the new Capcom horror Resident game that came Evil out. Resident Evil 8. 
unfortunately, they do not pull the old Resident Evil uh, openings title screen where it goes Resident oh, man. Evil. Like, That's one of my favorite things. Resident right? Evil Eight. <laughs> it would have been Village. Like you can't say Village and sound menacing. Five was the best one because he goes like Five, <laughs> Five, <laughs> Dirty Tree, <laughs> Resident Evil Dirty Tree. <laughs> I thought uh, this was going to be a scary game, not an awesome game. <laughs> so uh, Resident Evil Eight um, is a continuation of the uh, story of Ethan Winters Milla from Jovovich? Resident. I wish <laughs> from Resident Evil Seven Biohazard, uh, where it's uh, this guy. Uh, kind of a no name, no face guy. He's it, it's Ethan, bizarre. Right? It's Ethan. Name? Yeah. Ethan Winters. Uh, he is surrounded by wonderful, incredibly directed, excellent voice acting cast people that do an amazing job. And he is the worst direction or written or something <laughs> character ever where it's like the super menacing, like Lady Dimitrescu that everybody loved and everybody was thirsting that's over the, on Twitter. That's, that's, that's the, the big the, woman. That's the seven foot tall woman running around the castle and stuff like she's amazing. Like the the direction, the writing for her is super good. She's, it's a very unsettling environment. Everything is excellent. And she'll say something super menacing, like, I'm going to come get you. He's like, yeah, I bet you fucking will, you bitch. And it's like, <laughs> what? Like, it, everything that comes out of that dude's mouth is fucking dumb, man. That sounds it's, like me when I'm in a haunted house. Right. <laughs> We're like, boo, I'm going to scare you. Yeah, no, you won't, asshole. Out of my way. I want to get through this. Everybody <laughs> sounds like a Chad standing in line at King's Island during their Halloween hunt. You know what I mean? Like, he ain't going to fucking scare me. Um, but... So my problems with the protagonist aside, and it is a seriously deep-seated issue for that game. It is so bad. And and it detracts deeply from the horror. Just he needs to be a silent protagonist. Just grunt in, when you die, and that's all he needs. But like uh, that game, uh, what was it? Oh no, the original Dead Grand Space. Theft Autos. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Or, or Dead Space, the first Dead Space. Yeah. Much more relevant. Isaac Isaac was, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's, I mean, silent protagonists abound in games, and he needs to be one. There's a myriad of them, you could say. That's awful. There a are, plethora. There are, there are plethora. A smorgasbord. <laughs> Out of mini one! <laughs> but, uh, so... Purpose unum silent protagonist. <laughs> my, pro my problems with the protagonist notwithstanding, uh, the some of the scares in that game are fucking phenomenal. I, I don't want to go into spoilers. I don't know how many of our listeners are like deep gamers, but I like to imagine that they're, they'd be my homies. We've if been I talking about video person. games more and more. Mm. I don't know that they've ever been brought up in our listeners' emails to us. So we hope you appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not going to stop. Spoiler, right. spoiler, it's going to continue when it gets to me. Right. We are who we are. Uh, but there, there's uh, the, the game is broken up into uh, several like set piece areas. And uh, each area kind of has its own big bad. And there's like one overarching bad, kind of like a general and a bunch of lieutenants. Um, a la like a Ubisoft game or something. You know what I mean? Only it's not like an open world. Go take out each lieutenant to get to the big bad. It's a linear story, but through that story, you are taken to these different locations. I, and I don't want to get into um, spoilers about it, but each section kind of has a slightly different style of gameplay. And in the second section, there's very little to no uh, like gunplay. That you Is that the ones I've been seeing a lot of videos of where it's like just running through a house with first person trying to. Mm, so it is all first person. Uh, they And they began that with Resident Evil 7. It, they transitioned to first person rather than third over the shoulder or fixed camera from one through three. Uh, 
And, um, it, but in the second section, it, it is, you are going through a house and, uh, the big bad in that area is kind of like this creepy marionette lady. And so there's a bunch of dolls and stuff. Uh, but that area is super fucking unsettling. And you have to like, at one point you're like looking over this big marionette doll looking thing that looks like your wife and like opening its mouth and turning its eyeballs and stuff. (laughs) And even that doing in that game, like, like there's no monster there or anything, but it's just the most unsettling thing to like be taking apart this fucking doll. Like it's bizarre. And there is a monster in that area that I'm not going to spoil, but it's Fucking I think I've seen it crazy. and it's terrible. It is terrifying. And uh, I saw Dr. Disrespect uh, get eaten by it. And yeah, oh, okay. his reaction was hilarious. Dude, it's super Dr. fucked Disrespect? up. You don't know him? No. He's a very prominent. He wears uh, a mullet wig and streamer. sunglasses and has a mustache. He got banned from Twitch recently, but he's still really successful. Oh, I'm like, even though I play video games, Twitch and streaming is like something I'm not a part of. Like, oh, okay. I knew nothing about that world. Gotcha. Yeah, he's a successful guy. He's a very good gamer. Hmm. Um, big into like battle royales and stuff. Um, but anyway, it, the the story kind of like the pacing kind of falls apart in the towards the end of it. And but overall, like it had some genuinely excellent scares. Uh, and I burned through it super fast because I wanted to be done with it in time for what Steve's going to talk about. And but then I made the executive decision that I'm actually broke, and so I can't afford <laughs> to buy the game that Steve's about to talk about, which is Mass Effect. But uh, uh, so I burned through it in like two days and I'm like sitting there twiddling my thumbs waiting for Mass Effect to come out. And then so, I was like, yeah, I can't afford this right now. So correct me if I'm wrong, but when I think of Resident Evil, now I haven't played a lot of Resident Evil games. I think I've played five and um, four. Four is amazing. Five yeah. is where they turned into like an action game. But it's mostly always been like zombies and all that shit. But mm. everything I've seen of eight is a lot more like Brothers Grimm where it's like werewolves and vampires. Mm. And are there is, is that the case? It is very it is kind of Brothers Grimm fairy tale ish type of area. And it actually the story opens when you press start. It opens with a fairy tale book, like a, kind of a montage thing a la like the. um um Oh, shoot. What are they called? The Harry Potter um, book that Hermione is gifted by Dumbledore. Uh, the stories that the Necronomicon, not the Necronomicon. <laughs> Fuck, that was my guess. But you, do you guys know what I'm talking the book about? Of the dead. The the book that uh, she's given a grimoire. Dude, if anyone like, was going to know it, it would be our resident Harry Potter expert. Andy. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> uh, it's going to come to me eventually at some point while you guys are talking I'm gonna burst in with what it's called. But anyway, so it does open with this like animated uh, fairy book story thing or fairy tale story. Fairy book. <laughs> fairy book. Um, come read amongst my fairies. And so, yes, <laughs> books. there are uh, multi- uh, myriad, if you will. Um, monsters throughout there are lichens which are like werewolf people um there are vampires there are other things too and there's like kind of a general story reason for it but the story in resident evil has always been like complete shit crazy as long as there is a residence and some evil Mm -hmm. they can get away it is titularly acceptable ideally if i could just pick up a green plant that's preferably in a pot and eat it it would Mm -hmm. heal my health Mm -hmm. oh dude they do insane shit with that now like (laughs) at one point in resident evil 7 you like literally get your hand cut off and you just staple it back on and pour some shit on it and it's like it's good to go again (laughs) that's that's just science (laughs) right come on man just i mean i don't have my degree in medical school (laughs) but uh I know that works, but yeah, I mean, if we're, if, if you can stand horror games and I'm not huge into them, like as much as I love horror movies, horror games freak me out. Uh, so I don't play them super often, but Resident Evil 8, I decided I wanted to jump in. 
Yeah, when I found out that it was a lot more, you know, fairy tale esque in terms of the enemy, and it has like a very Eastern European look to it, like mm-hmm. the setting, like that interest me because I, I like i said i'm not super into resident evil games and like zombie games are a dime a dozen anymore so it's hard to get super excited about them mm-hmm. um so when I, I read that i'm like oh maybe i'll play that and then i was like no I'll, maybe i won't maybe, maybe when it's super cheap maybe when it's super cheap i'll pick it up but mm-hmm. i want to play it and I, didn't they remaster resident evil 2 they, the they remade it they remade, remade two it, yeah. and three and uh especially the two remake is supposed to be absolutely phenomenal i i have not played it but i've heard it is fantastic the reason i didn't play it and this is one of the things that i hate about horror games and why i don't play them super often is i can't stand games especially horror games where there is an enemy that you can't kill and in resident evil 2 uh famously there is mr x who is this giant hulking zombie man that just chases you the entire game A three has one too and, yeah the nemesis um you can't kill him you can just do damage and get away. And so it's but you like, can like hear him coming. Cause it's just like this anxiety that is like at any given moment, he's going to come lurching through the fucking wall. Like here I I'm coming like fucking Kool-Aid man. Like I'm here. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I'm going to play that eventually, but yeah, two and three got remade. And then supposedly fours next and fours, like the most famous heralded and resident evil game of all times. So. Isn't that code Veronica? Uh, no. I think Code Veronica did come after between the uh, Dreamcast three and one, four, but I mean, there's been a shitload of. Oh, so that doesn't count as yeah, four. Code it's Veronica's not like no. a spinoff. Okay, you actually were super fucking into four back in the day, and I remember talking to you about this, and you didn't remember this, but you played the fuck out of four. And I remember you running around as Leon in four, and you you had like played the shit out of that game, like you had every gun and like max ammo, and we're just running around and stuff and. I talked to you about that and you're like, I don't remember that. I have no memory of that place. Yeah, it's crazy (laughs) at Uh, all. But I was on a lot of drugs back then. Do you remember? um, So there's a there's a YouTube account. I think they're still active, but like I haven't paid attention to them in probably 12 to 15 years. But it's Mega 64 is the name of the account. What, Hmm. what, What they got famous for is they would they would take scenarios from video games and then go out in the real world and like do them in real in the real world oh, and just cool. videotape someone would videotape the person dressed up from afar and just see how people reacted and one of my favorite episodes they did was they did the merchant from resident evil 4 <laughs> which is like this hooded creepy looking character and he's like at like a outside of a pizza place and there's people like waiting in line to like order the pizza it's like a you go to a window order a slice and you go and he would just like walk up what are you buying he's like doing the weird i do remember the game now you You could buy like stocks for your pistol and Uh stuff yeah oh my goodness it was great because like you you said with like inventory management like i i gotta rotate my gun this way so i can fit in that plant and stuff oh yeah that's right but yeah, there's, I love that because that episode, the cops get called on him. <laughs> you think he's a drug dealer? And the cops show up and he's like, what do you buy? <laughs> I buy it at a high price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been streaming. Steve, what have you been up to, buddy? Uh, well, before we get into the main event, I'll, I'll run through a couple things that I've streamed. Uh, TV show wise, I uh, continue watching Star Wars The Bad Batch. That show decreases in quality with each passing episode. I oh, made a good decision. Yeah, the uh, there's three episodes out. They become significantly shorter. The most recent episode is only 27 minutes long, and they become less and less. They're just worse. Less and less worthy of time. I yeah, gotta, I gotta. they're they're worse and worse as they continue. Um, I also started uh, watching um, season two of Mythic Quest on Apple TV Plus. Oh yeah, I watched that too. It's super and good. It's, uh, it's a lot better because uh, famously, I, I 
a couple episodes I watched the first season and talked about how I wasn't super into it, but I loved episode yeah, four. Yeah, I was so surprised you didn't absolutely love that show. They, I think whatever they did between seasons works because all the episodes that have come out this season so far, I think there's three, um, are great. I love, I've, I've loved every episode since. I think they've done a slight dynamic change where the two leads aren't antagonizing each other as often. So it, it's less them just screaming at each other every episode. The um, the scary intern, I forget her name. She's like super intense and is always like, I'll kill you pigs. Yeah. Um, they paired her with, uh, I can only call this guy Abed. Danny Pudi. Danny Pudi, because he's Abed from Community, but that's uh-huh. not his character in here. And their, their dynamic is much better served than um, her and David Hornsby. Her and yeah. David Hornsby, who was like a pushover. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, and that's just a gorgeously filmed show. Like I was watching it and just like the cinematography, even though it's a comedy about people in a uh, game development company, like there's some great camera work and yeah, for production sure. quality to it. It's a beautiful show. Um, so yeah, check it out. I'm really, really enjoying that uh, a lot more than the first season. Um, but the the real thing I'm here to talk about to you guys. <laughs> Uh, I mentioned on my comfort foods last week, one of my comfort foods was Mass Effect. Now I had not been able to play any of the Mass Effect games for a while because of, you know, technological limitations. Well, not anymore, because Friday they released the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which is a remaster of the original three Mass Effect games on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and Xbox, and wherever else you get video games, PC, you know, whatever. Bioware heard your cries. They heard my cries, and they were like, let us give him his desire. Suckle at the teat of Mass Effect, Stephen. <laughs> and it is... Come suckle. Oh, I don't like those two words together. <laughs> I don't either. What the fuck, Andy? <laughs> so sorry. Uh, but no, it's great. And it, like the So I've started with one, because... As I mentioned before, I've only played the first Mass Effect game once, but I've played two and three nine times each, you know? So I, I was like, well, I got to start a new character and I'm going to take the character through the entire trilogy. It's going to be a blast. And the game has never looked better. It's never played better. Uh, they even have like a cool Marvel esque, you know, like Marvel starts and you see all the different characters before the Marvel logo appears. Now they did that with Bioware, but now it's all the Mass Effect characters and nice. Mass Effect fans. Did they like, leave out Anthem? <laughs> no, it's just, it's purely just oh, Mass Effect gotcha. characters. Okay. Yeah, it's all Mass Effect characters and then the Bioware logo. So as a huge fan of the franchise, I was like, ah, yay. Um, that being said, <clears throat> Tales of the Beetle the Bard. What? Oh, the book. is that the book? Hermione's book in Harry, in Harry Potter's Tales of Beetle the Bard. That's how they find Wizards out about were the- at 12 minutes since <laughs> I finally caught up to Andy. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, but no, like, uh, again, I haven't played Mass Effect in a long time. The first game I've only played once, and it's funny watching it because I know so well what two and three are like. It's so funny playing Mass Effect one, just how much of it, it feels like an incomplete game where it almost feels like an alpha of the better ideas that they would extrapolate upon and make concrete in the sequels. Uh, so like, there's like the side missions aren't, aren't really captivating. There's a lot of like aimless, you're in the, the Manco vehicle. You can take this vehicle and go and explore planets and stuff. And that seems so aimless and there's no real direction to it, you know, but I mean, the writing and the stories there, some of the voice actors even don't seem to have like really quite landed on like what the character is until the second game they kind of really like this is who they are so it's neat to kind of see the humble beginnings of the franchise 
uh, to where I know the heights it comes to in the, in the subsequent sequels. Um, one thing I found funny that because I'm looking at, I'm playing this game now in 2021 and I'm in a different place. Is that the year? Sorry. It's (laughs) yes. And I'm in a different place now uh, than I was when I first played this game in 2010, 2011. And uh, it's fascinating to me how some things are, you know, I'm reacting to some things that I wasn't before. For instance, okay, so there's a character. She's one of the first companions you can have in the game. Her name's Ashley Williams. She's just like, uh, she's like a jingoistic female Marine that kind of joins you. And she's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, you know, grunt. She's a multifaceted character. She, she, but even back then when, when, when I first, and she got this criticism back then as well was everyone would, the joke was Ashley's racist. <laughs> Ashley's the racist character because she was the one that's like, I don't think we should trust. We can trust these aliens, sir. And like, she makes some weird comments. Like we can't trust all these like googly eyed monsters on the ship and it's stuff like that. And I was like, God damn, Ashley, you're fucking racist. Like, I know you're not being racist towards humans, but you go use that water fountain. Yeah. What? It's like, she's almost there. Uh, so I knew that going in and that's why like, I never really like had Ashley come along with me. I'm like, Oh, I'm going on a diplomatic mission in this planet. I'm not bringing the fucking racist with me. Who's going <laughs> to, who's going to look at the Krogan's and be like, Hey, wide eyes, look at me here. You know? And it's just like, Jesus Christ, calm down. But in today's lens, she's so much worse. Oh no. Because, uh, like there's a point where you, you can get to know your uh, and that's one of the great things about the game franchise is you can really get to know your companions. Like you talk to them, you get to know who they are. You go on missions to help them with stuff. And so I'm talking to her and she's telling me about her backstory and how she has like sisters and she loves her sisters. And she's telling the story like, yeah, I had to take care of my sister one time because uh, a boyfriend of hers was getting a little too handsy and she pushed him away. And I went over to help her to make sure that he didn't try anything ever again and the response i gave her as my character was like no it was no means no and shepherd's like well if he truly loved her he would respect her wishes and understand that no means no ashley responds yeah but if he wasn't if he didn't try to get a little handsy i would wonder something about him you know what i mean <laughs> i was like fuck what the hell <laughs> ashley come on and then later on, you you accept a, a an alien onto the on your crew named Liara. She's the blue. She's like the iconic blue um, woman. And in the world of the game, that race of aliens has like a, a a stereotype about them where like oh, all the Asari that's the name of their species. All the Asaris are like they're basically loose women. You know they they have this stereotype. And and Liara as a character kind of talks about like how that's not true. But when you talk to Ashley about oh, what do you think about Liara? She's like. Maybe we should ask her about her sex life, huh? And gets like, starts slut shaming her. And it's like, you just met her. <laughs> like, seriously, like that character's awful. Like she would have stormed the Capitol if she was a real character. 100%, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but like, I, I, I keep her around as a crew member because she is multifaceted. And throughout the three games, she kind of learns her lesson and becomes a, you know, a better character. But man, in the beginning, you're like, geez, you're worse than I remember. Holy cow. But uh, I'm having a blast. I can't wait to, you know, go through these games. I love so much. If you've never played Mass Effect, I encourage you to to to, to get into it and try it out for yourself. Um, uh, if, if you play the first game, and you're like, wow, the controls are really, really dated because it is. It's an almost 15 year old game. I would just say just go to number two, go to number two. Number two is probably my favorite game of all time. And I think there's a good refresher. If you skip number two, they have like a like an introductory 
course for people who didn't play the first one. That's interesting because the first one's the only one I ever beat, and I love the shit out of it. Two, I played, but I never finished, so I never played three because I didn't finish two. Oh man, two's my two might be my favorite game of all time, uh, storyline wise. It's so good. The the difference is just the 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 gameplay, like the gunplay that happens in one is so unrefined and loosey goosey, and the character powers like are so hit or miss. Like you'll aim at a enemy will be like hey liara take out his shields and she'll be like okay and just like she'll shoot the wall directly in front of her and it's like no he's over there <laughs> idiot uh, and but but like in the subsequent sequels you have much more control over where they're shooting their stuff at so like i'm looking forward to that that's the only reason like it's harder to go back to the first game for me because it feels the most dated i mean it came out mm-hmm. in 2007 so of course it is does. it better now though with the, what they've done with ai or did they just it change is, the graphics it is better but the shortcomings are still there I remember because video game within the beginnings of like true AI and video games, uh, like the most famous example I can think of is Natalia, the character from GoldenEye uh-huh. uh, 64, the James Bond. Do you, did you play that game? Yeah. Do you remember her? So there were all she these stand in the middle of the room. There were all these <laughs> missions where you lost the level if you had, if she died. And so you'd be like battling all these enemies. You'd kill like dozens of people and turn around and she would just be jogging into the corner. <laughs> and you'd be like, and my, my dad used to play the game and he was in his fifties at the time. And, you know, he didn't have me until he was in his late thirties and I'm just like, he was in his you know late forties maybe, but. Yeah, he'd never played, really played any video games ever, except like the original NES football games, you know, Madden with me and stuff. And I just hear him from the other room. I'd go to get a root beer or something. I hear him, you dumb fucking, you know, <laughs> I'm just like, dad, what's, what's the matter? This fucking chick, you know, and um, that's what it made me think of when you said that she was shooting the wall. Oh, good times. Yeah, because like you, what it is, is there's an enemy and you're like, shoot that enemy, but she's shooting in a direct line of sight but there's like a box in between her and that person. So she's shooting the box. Right. You know? Yeah. Which, which I get it. Yeah. That's and I'm, how I am. It's, it's, but yeah, like I said, shortest it's all, distance between two points. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It looks better. It plays better. There is a little bit more, like they upgraded the, the, the guns feel similar to how they feel in the other game, but there's definitely the shortcomings of the original game is still present. In right. It. I'm still excited uh, to play it when I am no longer broke. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, I'm going to check it out eventually. Maybe. Um, I, I let all of our listeners down and you too. Um, so I would love to say that with love, death and robots being, uh, one of the best things that I've seen in the past five years, that season two dropping finally, um, I could say I watched all of them and talked to you at great length about those new episodes. I did not find the time to watch that yet. So that'll be for next week, but I am aware of it and I'm sorry because uh, I'm very excited. I actually would like to go home and watch those tonight. I'm going to watch um, this too. I was also a huge fan of uh, Mythic Quest and I watched the the pandemic special and the the recent between season special that they made. I don't was think I the, ever talked about that. The the banquet with like the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was a good one. Um, but I haven't watched season two yet. So I'm, I'm very upset with myself for that. But uh, I did watch when Andy and I were hanging out and we couldn't watch uh, Spiral from the Book of Saul. We decided uh to watch an olive branch version of that. And so we watched the original Saul film from 2004, uh, which I had not seen since 2004. And apparently Andy had seen a few times. And all I remembered was that, you know, cause we would have been, uh, I would have been you know, sophomores in high school, mm-hmm, I think when that yeah. came out. So that it made a big splash. It, it's a very unique movie 
I can see it for what it was at the time. Do you and know what that I mean? movie made James Wan. Like that's why he is the superstar yeah. director that he is now. It was very unique for the time. I remember when it came out, people were like, "Whoa, yeah, it's Lee, so different." Lee Winnell wrote it with James Wan, and it was directed by James Wan, mm-hmm. uh, director of what all the Aquaman, a bunch of the fanta- or Contrast and right? Furious, Conjuring movies, movies Insidious as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's a producer extraordinaire. Like his name's his name sells movies. What, yeah, what was it? Lights Out that he did. I don't. Did he like produce that? I think you mean the the feature, not the original short film. Yeah, yeah. He was the producer of Lights Out. Yep. So you know, Annabelle. Anything he puts his name on in horror usually does really well. Um, He even I didn't know the Conjuring, Fast and Furious Seven. I didn't know he directed that. But you know, anyway. So we watched this, and God, it's such a a beautiful, grotesque wonder of of low budget cinema and the execution, you know, cause they had the proof of concept short film that it was based on. And it's basically our wet dream that one of our ideas would, would blow up from that. Um, but God, is it also flawed? Uh, <laughs> um, what 17 years later, you know, mm-hmm. so, well, I'm bad at math, but, um, you some years it. <laughs> nailed it. it, uh, yeah, there's the acting is not great. Dude, it's objectively bad often, especially with uh, Carrie. I can never say his name. Carrie Elwes, the the yeah. Princess Bride guy. And I cannot believe that that is him. Yeah. I didn't know that back <laughs> then. Like, I, I don't know why I didn't put two and two together. It was such a shorter time span from the two movies. But I immediately I was like, is that? And, he, and he's like, yeah, everybody knows that. And it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, idiot. He does like the dramatic theater princess bride acting but in this low budget horror film it's so out of place so you got the writer of the film acting alongside him who clearly hasn't had much acting experience but that's almost to his benefit so it's almost like a realistic what would a joe schmo in this situation Mm -hmm. look and act like and then you cut to like this classically trained, you know, theater actor. And I don't know. It's just, I've done it. It's just Hark so bizarre. Thy man lay upon thy floor. Ooh, lay, lay your hands off mine wife. You know, and it's like, uh, uh and out, even like damn ankle out. <laughs> uh, fly on you. Uh, what is that word? Anyway, anywho, uh, and even like Jigsaw himself is like this classically trained. Uh, anyway, I, I love the movie. The traps are the coolest part. And that's the, the franchise learned that very quickly and mm-hmm. stuck to that for what? Nine movies. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, it reminds me of final destination, uh, which sure. that movie made a huge splash. And we all loved watching like the creative ways that people would potentially die. That's the tension and neatness of the, of the film franchise. Um, and I imagine if I watched Final Destination one now, I would get the same results. Like it would be neat, but also really cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I really want to do that. But that's what we did uh, for that day. Later that evening, I watched a movie called Those Who Wish Me Dead. Have you guys seen this or heard about this at all? No, it's on HBO, right? Yeah, so it's in theaters, but it's also free to stream on HBO Max. Um, oh, that's the one with Angelina Jolie. Yes. Okay. Um, so it's directed by Taylor Sheridan, um, who directed Hell or High Water, Wind River. Um, oh, shit. I'm sorry, wrote Hell or High Water, Wind River, and wrote Sicario. Um, so that's why I re- eventually was like, holy shit, I got to watch this. To listen to this cast, it's, it stars Angelina Jolie, uh, Nicholas Holt, and John Bernthal. So I was like, I love me some burn. I got to fucking watch this movie. So it's currently a 6.1 out of 10 user rating on IMDb and a 60 meta score. This movie is fucking awesome. 
Go watch it for what it is. It's it's free to stream on HBO Max. Um, it's about uh, a teenager who witnesses a, uh, a murder. Um, and I don't want to tell you of whom, because that's a little bit of a spoiler. I don't even watch trailers, so I don't want to tell you of whom. And uh, Angelina Jolie plays a smoke jumper. Do you know what that is? Didn't know. Like some of these like Western California, Montana type areas where they have these giant forest fires all the time. Um, and excuse me, listeners, if I'm explaining a smoke jumper wrong, I only know about them because there's like a comedy kids movie with uh, John Cena where he's a smoke jumper. And I watched that with my son because he was a huge John Cena fan. Anyway, so what these guys do is like these giant forest fires. They will literally jump out of like airplanes and helicopters and parachute in and like save people. Um, so incredibly dangerous, harrow, harrowing job. So Angelina Jolie is a smoke jumper and she's in like a fire tower. And the, these uh, this kid wanders up to her, you know, running from these assassins. And she has to like take care of him and run through the woods and stuff. And John Bernthal's all fucking John bernthal uh. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, I forgot to mention Aiden Gillen's in it. Oh, nice. Um, and he plays one of the assassins. Oh, and little finger. It's fucking awesome. Watch this movie. I was so pleased that the tension's great. The CGI is a little rough at times, but like the giant fires are clearly like green screen fires. And that's always rough when you go to like a wide shot and you're like, eh, it's not really on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the close up fire shit is awesome because it's probably really fire. Um, fire. <laughs> a little Cornholio reference. Um, the, <laughs> The, the t- classic <laughs> classic 90s humor the tension's amazing and i feel like i haven't seen angelina jolie in like a decade at least that's yeah, what i feel like I, I was just about when you said her name i was gonna say i haven't heard of her in a movie in a while it's she's still so awesome like she her charisma is amazing she's magnetic i mean i was obsessed with her when i was a kid do you know what i mean uh like tomb raider you know my, my mom's like i didn't know you were such a Tomb Raider fan. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I am now. Um, I'll give you two reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but she's such an amazing actor and she carries this fucking movie. It's wonderful to see her act alongside like Aiden Gillen and John Bernthal. Um, so anyway, I can't speak highly enough about it. It's not just because it's really the only thing I watched. I really was glad that I, I delved into it. Um, so go watch Those Who Wish Me Dead. It is available again on HBO Max. And that brings us to the end of our Crossing Stream segment and brings us to Check the Gate. Check the Gate is the segment wherein we, streaming things, bring you, the listeners, the hottest, steamiest, freshest, Takes and TV and film you can find literally anywhere else. As uh, Rob Lowe from Parks and Recreation would say, literally anywhere else. <laughs> You've um, heard it here third. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got some cool stuff I just wanted to talk about. It's not really new, so I just lied completely about what the segment is. <laughs> uh, so Army of the Dead comes out on May 21st. That we know for fucking sure. <laughs> we think. <laughs> We're going to review that next week, I swear to God. <laughs> or we just won't be on air. Like, if Monday morning you wake is it, up... Is it streamable? Yes, on Netflix. Okay. It's actually in theaters right now, but Andy suggested we go see that instead the other day. And I said, no, we need to watch it hot and fresh right before we record like we always do. So it it will be on Netflix. I promise you, I did not get this wrong. Um, So that's going to be awesome. But did you guys probably remember that originally Chris D'Elia was supposed to make his feature film debut? The comedian Chris D'Elia was supposed to be in this. Yes. Maybe you didn't know. I did not. Did they give him the Christopher Plummer treatment? Yes. So Chris D'Elia, everyone probably knows. uh, 
is accused of some very serious things about, uh, you know, sexual misconduct with minors. Um, and he lost like all of his you know book deals and contracts and live shows and all that stuff and disappeared completely for a good while. He's like making a resurgence on certain social media platforms. But anyway, I'm not here to talk about that. I think what's interesting is that when that happened, they removed, they had already filmed all of his parts for army of the dead. Um, and poor Zack Snyder had been through enough. He's like, God <laughs> damn it. Um, so he replaced Chris D'Elia with comedian Tig Notaro. Are you familiar with Tig Notaro? Yes. I am not. Well, she's hilarious. She has some wonderful stand-up. I recommend you check out. And so what they did was just reshoot all of his scenes with Tig and like replace him with her. And so I, w- I would assume some of the actors are in fact interacting with Cristalia, but we're never going to be able to tell. Um, and apparently it was really well done. It's like landmark deletion of a person <laughs> cinema uh, <laughs> because it's incredibly well done. And also Tig Notaro looks absolutely fucking amazing. Like, uh, Sarah Connor esque cool and, and certain shots that I've seen of her. So I'm very excited to see that. I just thought it was interesting to bring up from the filmmaking perspective, of, mm-hmm. you know, how do we just, the movie's done, it's in the fucking can and we have to remove this, this whole person from many, many scenes. That's a hundred percent what happened to Kevin Spacey and all the money in the world. I think it's called, they just reshot his scenes with Christopher Plummer. Right. As, Crazy. That's, why, that's what I meant when I said the Christopher. Yeah, Plummer no, I remember now. that. Yeah. But I think this was on a little bigger scale. I think for sure. Yeah. This um, is an action movie, but yeah, I mean, it's just really neat. Um, but apparently it's getting really good advanced reviews like 10 minutes in like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Rewrote that completely. <laughs> um, and so that's May 21st. So uh, that would be, I think what's 23rd, 24th. You'll be hearing us review army of the dead. Um, so then the following weekend, it's going to be an action packed fucking month. It was supposed to start with spiral, but whatever. Um, Cruella debuts on May 28th, the movie with Emma stone words. Mm-hmm. We get the, the origin story. Joker-esque version of Cruella DeVille, uh, which is getting great reviews. And that same day, OMG, A Quiet Place 2 comes oh, out. Oh, shit. Uh, so I'm I, excited. Cr- I think that. Cruella will probably be on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Quiet Place 2, I'm not quite sure if that's going to be streamable. I'm going to be in theaters. So we need to go see that in theaters. Absolutely love the, the first installment. So we can talk about both of those. And that'll debut on what May 31st or June 1st, whatever that is. Um, and then on June 11th, yeah, I'm so fucking ready for this. We get Green Knight. Yes. Finally. Yes. The the new trailer came out this week mm-hmm. for Green Knight. That's why I put it in Check the Gate. But I just want to remind everybody that that's coming down the pipeline shortly after uh, Quiet Place 2. Did you guys watch the second trailer? I did. I did. I did not. I didn't. On purpose, but... I, it was awesome. It was one of those things where I went on, I was at work and I just hopped on Reddit while I was waiting for something to export. And that was one of the top things. New trailer for green Knight. I was like, yes, please more. Cause <laughs> that movie, the, the original trailer for that came out forever ago. And obviously the pandemic stopped so much of, you know, everything coming out. And I'm so happy that that's finally coming out. Cause that looks so part of what unique. I love so much about green Knight and why I didn't watch it is because I saw the first trailer when we were watching probably a ghost story or something at the Esquire. It's been uh, that long. I, I think so. I mean, oh, it's been a really long time. It's one of those, you know, a two, four films, uh, a 24 films. And so what I love about the way a 24 does their trailers is I have no fucking idea what green Knight is about. Like at all. I just, Deb Patel doesn't make any sense. Like uh time period wise. And then, you know what I mean? And then like scary shot. Like, I think it's a horror. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know. I, that's what I love about it. It's like, God, I gotta know what that is. And I don't want to watch another trailer and like start piecing shit together, mm-hmm. but they're really good at making trailers and it's probably still pretty obscure. I would imagine. Am I wrong? Uh, no, it's, it, no. Yeah. It's, it is it's much more pointed. It, oh, you know what it's about then? 
A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah well, no, I mean, we, I don't want to watch we, it. We knew what the source material was anyway, so we kind of knew. I mean, ish, but it's like so many things you could do with that, especially mm-hmm. with your A twenty four. It's sure. like, oh my god. Well, I won't tell you. So it ends up being a mockumentary about you know, like for all I know. <laughs> There's a lot of office-like scenes where Dev Patel's like, yeah, so I'm going to go find this green knight. <laughs> uh, Have you heard about this guy? Have you heard about this guy? He's a real dog of a bloke. <laughs> <laughs> a scoundrel, if you will. <laughs> yeah. uh, anywho, so that's coming out June 11th. And then, uh, have you guys heard all this nonsense about the cast of Knives Out 2? Yes. Yes. And actually, this is a great time, you guys, to announce that all of us at Streaming Things are also joining the cast of Knives Out 2. We were going to save it for later, but that's the big treat. But instead of Spiral, this is the new surprise. (laughs) (laughs) So they've added uh, Edward Norton, Dave Bautista. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Um, Christopher Plummer. No? He's dead. Sorry. He's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I just said sorry. He's deader than disco. What a stupid response to that. Just tell him what I know. I was going to, it's not Janelle Monet, but she is going to be a knives out too. Steve, lay it on him. I know what's coming. I actually have no idea what you're trying to get me to throw. It's what you're throwing to me. Oh, really? I thought you already knew and you were super excited about it. Um, I'm sure I do, but I don't know exactly what you're talking about. You said, give me what I want. Give me what I want. Daniel Craig. <laughs> was it Catherine Hahn? Yeah. In that? yeah, yeah. I, thought he, I thought that's what he was like leading me toward. No, okay. Give me what I want is a Dave Batista thing. Oh, is it like from wrestling? Yeah, there's a famous promo where he just is yelling, give me what I want. Give <laughs> See, me what I want. My lack of WWE knowledge ruined the podcast because I'm like, he's fishing for <laughs> Catherine Hahn and I'm going to tease him. I mean, I'm going to keep saying other names, even dead people. And <laughs> now, if, you, if you had said like, now, Steve, who was it all along? I would have said it was Agatha all along. Ah, so. Let's just cut that in later. Yeah. It was Agatha. <laughs> the power of editing. Yeah, so Catherine Hahn was announced, and there's a big, a whole bunch of jokes on Twitter because everybody, these huge uh, charismatic names kept being added to the cast list. And um, and then the CDC came out with that, uh, you don't have to wear masks anymore if you've been vaccinated thing. And I saw a bunch of people tweeting like, CDC just announced that Boba has been added to the cast of Knives Out too. And uh, I just, it had me laughing all day. I was very happy about it. We all here thought Knives Out. Was movie of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. I would I think, I think we can all agree sliced bread is slightly better, mm-hmm. but then you had to take the knives out to slice it. So I guess In they're fact, related. If, if we ever do like an episode, which I assume we will, when knives out two comes out, when it, when it comes out, we all should do the review entirely in the Daniel Craig Southern accent. <laughs> I don't, I think so down. only you can pull that off, Steve. How is your foghorn leghorn? Is it strong? No, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say it is. <laughs> yeah, it's decent. It's not as good as uh, some of your We're others. We're going to watch Knives Out, too. <laughs> it's getting better. You just got to warm up. You um, guys don't want to hear me try it. No, we don't. Well, you say that, but really it's the opposite. <laughs> Andy's, all his accents come out like vaguely Russian. <laughs> vaguely Russian or South Park character. Andy, show us your uh, Knives Out. <laughs> <laughs> your uh foghorn leghorn uh, hello <laughs> <laughs> i'm a foghorn leghorn <laughs> i like potato and vodka i am real american detective <laughs> <laughs> i solve many crime and that's just getting increasingly bored at <laughs> and then i go home to my wife <laughs> Mi esposa. uh my final bit of news 
Uh, have you guys heard about the film Kate, a Netflix thriller starring one of my most favoritest people of all time, Ms. Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Um, it's an American action thriller directed by Cedric Nicholas Choyan and written by Umir Alim. Um, and it also stars uh, Woody Harrelson. Um, I, I don't know much about it other than that. You know, I'm spoiler averse, but it's produced by David Leitch. Um, anyway, I think it's going to be phenomenal. I think it's coming out sometime in the fall. So we got a while to wait, but it just, I saw some stills from the film. I thought that uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead in Birds of Prey was like a hint at some. Oh, she was the awkward. Uh- archer yeah or she kept you know killing people in awkward ways but <laughs> i thought that there was a hint of like action thriller stardom in that in her that i had never considered really and i was really excited to see more of that and so now i, I feel like i hope we get some sort of charlie's theron atomic blonde renaissance version of her that i'm very excited to see um, so that'll be Kate on Netflix. I've always been a fan of Mary Elizabeth Winston. Me too. Absolutely. Uh, Fargo season, was it season two? Season three. three. Um, I think it was, she was the best part of season three is what I would say. Um, everything she pops up in, I'm like, Ooh, what a twist. Ooh, Ramona flowers. Me too. <laughs> Ramona flowers. It's you, you sounded like uh, Owen Wilson for a second. Oh, wow. It's Ramona flowers. <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> I love that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> okay. You know what? I'm going to go see it tonight. <laughs> wow. I'm going to call my friend Vince Vaughn. <laughs> now do a Vince Vaughn. Okay, fuck face. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just a guy. Ah, libertarianism. It's just a guy. You just got to talk really fast, basically, to yeah. sound like Vince Vaughn. So that brings uh, our Check the Gate segment to a close. And now on to our main event, our favorite and least favorite movie theater memories who once upon a time we went to movie theaters guys yeah back in the before times the long long ago we would line <laughs> long, literally, long we would literally line up to go into a room where we would we would sit packed in with hundreds of strangers to have a shared experience sneezing on a and breathing and, and farting and sharing popcorn and just digging hands around in bags yeah. and then passing them forth and with and hither Every and yon and then there'd be an adjacent blowy or handy <sighs> Depending on the movie you're in. <laughs> Does it depend upon the movie? I guess there's some where it's just outright rude. I did one time, Cat. Oh, oh, okay. So there was a Matt Damon film. Like, hey, was, you, sir. What are you doing? You can't give blowies during How to Train Your Dragon. This is the color purple. What are you doing? <laughs> I know his name is Toothless, but come on. Oh, oh, oh nice. Oh. That's <laughs> bro. Anyway, tell your Matt Damon story. Oh, uh, well, there was a Matt Damon. I'm trying to look it up now because I don't remember the name of the movie, but it was Matt Damon. It came out, I think, around 2011. It was very much an old person. Matt. Tell Damon me more. Movie. My 2011 film knowledge is unsurpassed. I, I honestly couldn't. It was I think the end of the world was at stake. Uh huh. It was a movie I never saw. Elysium. No, it was. Damn it. It, I it was literally, Mr. Ripley. No, it was like an old person. movie. <laughs> um, uh, what does that mean, Steve? Like, literally the only people who were watching it were old people. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell Oh, you. like uh, George Clooney and the Ides of March? Yes. Remember that? Yeah. Actually, I so... I love that movie. No, you don't. <laughs> Fucking liar. I don't. You're right. The, the disdain with which you said that. Sometimes I gotta call him on his bullshit. Hereafter. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. It it is. Is. Hereafter. I was never gonna guess that. Uh, did you see that movie? 
No, I did, literally didn't know it existed. Okay, so it was a movie here. I'm not old. So, but but literally, this is when I worked at the movie theater. There was um, a bunch of old people watching the movie. There's maybe like the first three rows were covered, and an usher called me, and they're like, "Steve, there's there's somebody doing stuff up up in this lobby or in this auditorium." And I look out, I don't see anybody. I'm like, a bunch of old people. What are you talking about? And they're like, "Yeah, because they're up there doing stuff." I was like, oh, I understand. I, I pick up what you're putting down. So I walk up the stairs, you know, you know, I'm prepping my stuff. Is this the one that you told before with the craziness? I don't know if I've told it on air, but I've, I think I've told you guys off air. But uh, I walk, I'm slowly walking up. I'm, I'm stealing myself to see like, oh, what am I going to walk? What am I walking into? What are these two doing up here? What gross sexual act am I going to catch people in the middle of? And I get up there and it's a young couple. They're probably teenagers they're thankfully they're just making out but the positioning is really funny where the guy if you can picture it the guy is slumped in the chair so his shoulders are like literally on the butt of the chair so he's his back and neck are like vertical and then his his legs are you know at a 90 degree angle pointed down the girl is straddled on top of him but like in a really weird way and so I walk up to them and I'm standing next to them, but they're so involved in the moment, you know, they're, they're, they're young and in love and they're making out in front of hereafter, you know, the moment's right. So they don't even see me there. So fine. So then I sit down next to them. Oh no. <laughs> Just watch. And they, st- cause I'm trying to like spook them. Cause I don't want to like, Hey, quit making out. Like while the movie's playing, so you straddled him. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I, I sat Got down, literally, situation going on. literally sat down next to him thinking they would like, you know, catch oh my on God. that I'm there. Like, oh God. Sure. But they didn't. So, f- and at this point I'm like, what the fuck? Do I have to like poke him? Like, what am I going to do? So finally I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to say something. I go, hey, what do you guys do? <laughs> <laughs> Those are the words that came out of yeah, your mouth. I just said, hey, what do you guys do? <laughs> And of course they like, and then like the girl practically falls off him because I scared the shit out of him. And they're like, oh, nothing. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys should stop or I have to kick you out. And then I got up and left and figured like, that'll be it. But you know, they left shortly after because uh, I think they were just embarrassed that they got caught by sure. a weird man that snuck up on them in the darkness and say, hey, what are you guys doing? <laughs> in the Clint Eastwood movie, The World Forgot. Yeah, you were being what I think in the early aughts was referred to as a cock blocker. Yeah, for sure. A buddy of mine who worked at the time said, dude, that was the wrong thing to say. You should have said, hey, you guys better stop or I'm going to join in. (laughs) (laughs) Which, what could have been? (laughs) Right. Oh, the memories we could have had. Uh, Yeah. Do you think they went up to the kiosk and were like, we would like tickets to the least attended film (laughs) this evening? Seriously, there was like 20 people in that movie. Did someone complain a lot? Or did another usher like see them and wasn't brazen enough to do anything about it? I think that was the situation. At least to my knowledge, nobody complained. So they called you for the heavy lifting, Steve. I mean, I was the manager at the time. So like whenever, and I always told people that I worked with, like, if you have to do something you're uncomfortable with, come get me. I'll do it because you don't get paid enough to do that shit. (laughs) I do. Yeah. (laughs) So Andy, I guess, tell me this. What, I'll just DJ this whole affair. Okay. Andy, what is your fondest memory in a movie theater that you can think of my fondest memory in a movie theater um well so i i feel like i have fond memories of movie going experiences for different reasons so the one i'm going to talk about specifically is because of the 
unexpected end result of what I ultimately ended up watching. It was an experience with you. We, uh, for a minute there, similar were to Steve's story going around. It's very similar. So yeah, I'm in so the usher came the up chair. to us, right? <laughs> I'm leaned way down. The chair. <laughs> I, was, I was really uncomfortable and Chris was on top of me. It was extremely uncomfortable, man. Um, the, the situation that did happen. So me and Chris were checking out a bunch of different movie theaters. Uh, we went up to this one up in Ohio somewhere and we went to go see the movie widows. Um, and so we, we go to this movie theater we've never been to before and we get in there and there's people that are in our seats. Uh, it's one of those assigned seating situation things where it's like you, you pick your seats and you go in there. We go in there. There's people sitting in our seats. We're like, Oh fuck. And like Chris hesitated when he went to sit down and it was like, he didn't, but he didn't say anything out loud. Like he stopped in front of the people looked at him for a second and then moved past him and sat down. And I'm like, okay, that was weird. And like we had our popcorn and stuff. And eventually he leaned over. He's like, those were our seats. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> no, that's fine. No big deal. And so we're sitting there. Uh, we're early. The trailers start playing. And then eventually this older couple comes up and they said, Hey, you're, you're actually in our seats. Cause we were, cause the other couple was in our seats. And we're like, oh, okay, no big deal. And so uh, at this point, it's super awkward. We've waited way too long to say anything to the couple next to us. Yeah, that's done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like 20 minutes later, hey guys, those are actually our seats. So then we moved to yet another section that is not ours. Oh God. And then the movie starts. We would see Widow. We thought we're in the clear. Wait, right. you could have said something. The movie hadn't started yet. Right. But we it's, had been there long within enough. the window. No, no I'm saying social contract wise. Like I've already noticed, bitched out, and sat elsewhere. Right. <laughs> and then, and then we were moved somewhere else because someone else came. So anyway, the movie starts. Then another couple comes up and says, guys, you're actually in our seats. And no, he's not. I mean, you're telling it very accurately, but you can't paint the picture of the terrible anxiety and how it occurs sure. because I'm already nervous. So in seat number one, where I've already realized someone's in our seats and I've decided that that man is going to give me a talking to, I don't appreciate and won't go well. If I say anything, I just get that vibe. Sure. So I sit elsewhere, like not worth it, whatever. But there's always that anxiety knowing someone's, someone's gonna, probably yeah. sitting here. This movie just came out. Oh no. Fuck it, right? And so, okay, that anxiety is heightened 20-fold when they tell us to actually move. And everyone kind of turns around like, what an asshole. Right, right? you're sitting in someone else's seat. Did you even pay for this movie? You're a real piece of shit, right? <laughs> so then we scoot forward into seats that are undesirably close to the giant screen. Anyone who goes to a theater professionally like we do knows these are not seats you choose by choice. Like right. second row all the way to the right. Like didn't want to be Terrible seats. seats. But we sit down like, okay. But now my anxiety is through the roof like if this happens again i am gonna lose my shit most likely and and then you see people kind of creep up look kind of in your direction glance down at their tickets like maybe they've gotten something and you all know that feeling right yeah. maybe they got like when you steal seats at like a baseball game and you think you've been busted did we get this wrong look at their tickets look back up look at each other whisper a little bit look around for an usher and then okay now i'm just like Trying to watch trying the movie, not, but like make definitely not paying attention. Okay, now go on. So anyway, they were their seats, <laughs> <laughs> and so plot twist. They, they asked. They they asked for their seats, and I can't remember what the fuck you said, but it, it made no sense. The words that came out of his mouth made no sense. It was something like, "I'm just fucking trying." Or <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> for listeners that don't know, I'm. 
mentally unwell, basically. Right. And so like, I think it's important to the story. It makes <laughs> sure. it funnier. Like it's funnier for you because you were laughing the entire time and I was legitimately suicidal. You know what I mean? Like that's the difference between our personalities. And so if I say anything to someone, I'm liable to say things that are like insane. Like, so Andy knows this about me. Mm -hmm. Like, so <laughs> if like, if a, a wait staff at a restaurant brings me the entirely wrong plate, I'll just eat it and I'll be happy and I'll give a huge tip because I've been there and it's hard and who cares. Right. But if something like that does anger me, I will just say like, I'll get red in the face and like flip my chair over. And like, that's how I, I can't explain it accurately. But so, so I'm like, Defcon nine, like, and Andy's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> so I stand up, and yeah, I probably said like, "Well, fuck it," you know. If anyone else, no one else has rules, you know. Like, I just, <laughs> and they're probably like, "What?" <laughs> so anyway, Chris wants to storm out of the theater at this point. At no point did it ever, was it ever a question like, okay, now we should go talk go to the talk guys to that, that are dude. in our seats. No, <laughs> no. never occurred like to me. That, that. I told Andy, let's go home. Like, right. And and not like get, get a refund. Like, let's just leave. And I said like, no, fuck that. Let's, let's see what else is playing. You know what else was playing, Steve? Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Oh, there you go. We had never seen it. It was out. Didn't know time. anything about it. We we're like, well, let's go fucking watch that. That just started I like a Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, to be fair, it was also very uncomfortable seating because that mo this it was apparently a very popular theater. It was sold out as well. We went and sat in the handicap seats, and I felt like a piece of shit doing that. And so, like the first like twenty minutes, ah, you're fine. watching that movie, I'm sort of like hunched up, like looking around, like oh, because we didn't pay for tickets for it, right? We just yeah, no, we just yeah. oh, you just went right in, in there. Yeah, oh, okay. we had widows tickets. I was going to say, like, he was taken. We're admitting breaking the law on air right now, Andy. <laughs> Dude, the, the theater the movie law gets you. But so that's one of my fondest movie going memories because, like, I eventually saw Widows and it was okay. But Spider Man in the Spider Verse is a fucking masterpiece. And yeah. that was like, there's this hysterical situation that completely fell apart. And it was just a comedy of errors because at from the beginning we just didn't say hey those are our seats and it was all terrible but then we got to watch the best animated movie ever made and that was it was a great experience because it's i completely movie. forgot about that um yeah that's a beautiful story because i i have huge anxiety issues and i to just to, to be real clear and paint an accurate picture i mean i was like near tears let's go home. I don't want my fucking money back. And I was a complete drama queen. Like, that's how I get. I'm like, I never want to fucking watch a movie ever again, Andy. Let's go. You know, like, and then he was like, no, nah, man. Like, you know, and so we ended up seeing Into the Spider-Verse and it was wonderful. It's a great movie. So anyway, that's how that happened. Good, good story, Andy. I forgot story. completely about that. Thanks, man. Um, I have a lot of fond memories about movie theaters. Um, I've spent most of my life in them and uh, worked at one for a while, just like Steve and, and Andy actually worked at one for many years. I did. I, I often forget about that. Um, but I, I, I was thinking earlier about when we were kids and I, I don't think this will ever be somewhat Star Wars. So what I'm getting at is there was a time in my life when that was the place to be. There was a movie theater called uh, The Great Escape and, and yeah. Wilder, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And so after school, not only would we go see movies there, but 15, 20, 25 of us would hang out there. There was an arcade as well. Is The Great Escape closed? It is now. It's, well, oh. it's called The Regal. Well, and now oh, Regal's oh, dead. Regal bought it. 
Oh, and Regal's dead. Regal went out of business during COVID. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's depressing. Um, oh, I I had no idea. I'm 90 sure. Yeah, Regal's huh. gone. Um, but yeah, we would all go, and there was an arcade as well, and we would hang out and play. Uh, do you remember Dance Dance Revolution, Steve? <laughs> do I? <laughs> <laughs> then we would we would play Hacky Sack and Dance Dance Revolution and all these arcade games. And you know, I was an awkward teenager. I had like Kurt Cobain T-shirts and. Andy was like that as well. We both had really long hair and there was like girls that we had huge crushes on and they would always meet us there and be a loof. And <laughs> I like experienced an entire range of adolescence and emotions there. Like I'd cry in the corner because the girl didn't talk to me. And then we would laugh and giggle and kick hacky sacks and go play time um, crisis. Yeah. <laughs> and ultimately go see uh, at least one, maybe two movies. And, uh, but there was an, entire rows you know bought out by us and uh, we would experience these things together and specifically i remember seeing x2 do you remember this andy i, I don't remember the specific i know i saw that i don't remember that so experience at this time in our lives i think andy and i both did the same thing but we would always keep the stubs of our movies oh i did that too yeah and i and i would tape Stacks. them onto my wall next to my bed at like posters and so i had like Dozens and dozens and dozens of these stubs. Um, Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 was one of them. But I remember X2 specifically because that opening set piece with Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. Where he's oh, that was so bad. Disappearing in and out. And like, you know, when he's like uh, winter soldiered trying to kill the president or whatever. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it was just so fucking amazing. And all of us were like cheering and ranting. We'd never seen there were no comic book movies like that at the time. Do you know yep. what I mean? So we were like, holy shit. You know, they've done it. This is crazy. And uh, I had a huge crush, uh, crush on this girl named uh, Chrissy. So it was Chris and Chrissy. Right. And I, for many years. Um, and she was sitting like six or seven seats down. And so during the trailer, uh, we were very close friends, but I, I was absolutely in love with her. And I was completely like, quote unquote, friend zoned, which you can't use that term anymore. But that's what it felt like at the time. And I'm throwing all these raisinets and like popcorn at her. And because you know, I have a crush on her. Right. And she'll, yeah. she would giggle and like throw something back. Right. And so and I was kind of like a little asshole teenager, like many are, but like to an nth degree. And so what made it funny why I'm telling this story is I don't know if you remember this, Andy, I, I throw shit at her like six, seven times. And finally, she throws something back at me. And right then I don't Steve, you'll relate because this is actually kind of insane working in a theater for so long. Or maybe you'll be like, I totally get it. This usher comes out of nowhere and screams fucking stop or you'll have to fucking get out like, right as she did it and he's yelling right at her and she did nothing wrong like i was tormenting her for 20 minutes and she like just gets blood red and she's like, what and, and we all die laughing because we know it's been transpiring uh and I don't, I don't know why. I guess that was like the day where he was like, just no more watch the movie. Uh, but that's, I was thinking about that on the drive here and just started chuckling. Like, that's awesome. There was an usher. I, I know him very well. I'm not going to say his name to protect his identity, <laughs> but there's, you remember the movie? We are Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> so, Go on the movie. So if you don't know, the movie's about a football team that basically dies in an airplane. Was it was an airplane crash, right? And I think then, so. And then the movie's about like the team. After Remember the, the Titans is the superior version. Right. Right. Uh, well, that movie was out. It was very popular. And the ushers went in to clean it because it had let out. And one of the ushers, not realizing that there were still people in the auditorium watching the credits, just starts going, we are corpses. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so that's yeah, I, I totally get Usher sometimes uh, yell shit. Actually, uh, at where, I don't know if it was the same at the theater you guys worked at, but at, at our theater, it was it was kind of common. It was like the joke was that the ushers were like the dumb people. <laughs> like I was an usher, so yeah. that <laughs> makes perfect sense. I mean, it's not true at all because everyone's a dumb teenager that works in movie sure. theater. But like just because of the, the the way that the ecosystem was, I was like, oh, let so and so be an usher. He's an idiot. He can do it. Right. Yeah, that's all I was ever allowed to do. I'm seeing my whole experience in the theater <laughs> in a different light, dude. I was box office. I, I was the the top the top of the cream you know what i'm saying but yeah box office at all the theaters i worked at were either like really really good employees or like the old nice sweet ladies all right like the really sweet old ladies would work at box office <laughs> all the sweet old people were always the ticket takers do or you the ticket takers, as yeah. box office employee did you work box office ever steve i worked everything see i did, i've told this story before my tenure was at the, the height of my addiction. The last actual job I held was at the AMC movie theater. So I was a terrible employee. I would go downstairs to the bar and take shots uh, and then come back up and they'd be like, where are you doing? I'm like, fucking smoking while you're on my ass all the time. You know, so I was that, I was that guy. If they even knew I was gone, because as an usher, they never really know where you're at. I must it's awesome. smell your breath. <laughs> right. I'm such a good employee. Um, but anyway, so did you actually ever card people for rated R movies or what's that like? Are you responsible for that? It's not like selling liquor where you can be punished. Right. So, so like, cause I felt as a teenager that you were just being a dick. If you were trying to say, I couldn't see Terminator two or whatever. Right. It was m less of a, let me see an ID and more of like a no, you know what I mean? Like you get like a teenager, like a 12 year old. That's very obviously not 17. Like I want a ticket to see Saul four. It's like, no. <laughs> right. Uh, me personally, I carded everybody um, just because I had the situation. I, I was a strong proponent of like, I got to card everybody or nobody. Yeah. And even and I use it to my advantage, because obviously, if like an like an older person comes in and you card them, even though that's stupid to say, I would usually use it to my advantage. Like, well, sir, you look pretty good for your age. <laughs> and usually that worked. Um, but like. If, if teenagers got in there, I wouldn't do shit about it unless they were causing a problem. That's what we would always do is buy PG-13 tickets and then just obviously walk into the other theater. Right. Um, I mean, that was never, as a manager, I never enforced box office people to do that. I was never up there like, make sure you card everybody. That was right. just something I did personally. Yeah. Because I, I honestly, I didn't care unless they were causing a problem. Then I cared. Then I was like, what are you doing in here? I, I never wanted to be that guy. I think like the worst that I would do is say something like, do you have a parent or guardian with you? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I, even then I don't think that I, I turned away very many people and I worked there for a couple of years. Like I, I probably turned away maybe half a dozen, you know, mm -hmm. like just an, an outright, like absolutely not. I think I even at one point like said, dude, just buy a ticket to something else and go. And yeah. He's a big <laughs> dork. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I just always felt like, I think it had happened to me a couple of times and I just felt like, come on, man. Like you're like 17 and a half making five, 15 an hour and I'm 15. Well, there is, there like, is an aspect, certain employees, that was their one way they could take out their frustrations of sure. working at the theater yeah. on the customer. Cause like you can't like if a customer's being an asshole to you, it's not appropriate to be like an asshole back. But if there was like a kid 
that shouldn't be in a movie theater. You can like direct all your ire on that person, even if they're like an innocent bystander. And I, I know some people who worked at the theaters were like that. They were like, ooh, it's a game. Let's find out how many teens we can kick out of a theater today, even sure. if they weren't even causing a problem. It was just, I had a manager like that was that. their was outlet. Douchebag. Like yeah. mall cop syndrome kind of. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the one little bit of power they could exert over customers, so they took advantage of it. Because that happened to me in uh, when I was about ten or so, I want to say ten or eleven, and it was actually at a uh, movie warehouse, which was like a local blockbuster esque uh, video store. So it wasn't in a movie theater, but I would just wander the store. My mom was pretty close with some of the employees there, um, and I would spend hours and hours wandering around looking at video games, and then rent a couple. And my mom just watched like what was ever on TV, mostly like daytime TV shows and stuff. She wasn't big with film at all, so she by and large didn't know anything that I was watching, and didn't really care. Like, I mean, I'm talking American History X. Like those were my early like viewing experiences because they didn't really know, and I God did damn. really well in school. And uh, so I rent. I'll never forget it. It was uh, it was Jeffrey Rush, and it was called uh, Quill. Did you ever see this movie? I don't think I have. I, I love Jeffrey that. Rush. Uh, Quills was about Marquis de Sade. Oh yes, 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 yes. And so I look at the back of this box, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm seeing some pretty lascivious things, right? Okay. Some pretty. I don't know who Marquis de Sade is at ten years old, but I see you're about to find out. Things. Yeah, I'm about to find out, right? <laughs> so I, you know, I get like Conan and and Time Cop and and Quills. As I do, and I go up to the. I love to, that. That's the trio of movies. <laughs> and I give them to my mom, and she starts checking them out. And the guy's name was Brad, fucking Brad. And I, I felt like he betrayed me because he gave me my first guitar. And he showed me all kinds of cool movies. He told me about Clerks, and I'm like, okay, this guy's got my back. Oh, so you knew Brad? Yeah, I mean, I always at this video store. I was like, all I did. I never watched a sport ball in my life, but I love movies my whole life. And he looks at my mom and he's like, um, I really don't think he should watch this movie. It's there's a lot of very graphic sex in it. And she's like, oh, what are you trying to do? Go put this back. And I just looked at him with such loathing and just <laughs> all the respect drained out forever. Ain't you, Brad. <laughs> two Brad? Right. Like, you cock blocker. What are you, Steve? What is this? I was going to get down and watch Quills. <laughs> <laughs> so mad. But he let you get Time Cop and... <laughs> yeah, I mean... And I guess that's what I was, did you guys, so Steve, you said you carded everybody, but what did you really think about? Like, cause you probably knew what was in the movie was sex more of a discerning quality for you or was it extreme violence or it just didn't matter the fact that it was rated R for whatever reason it was rated R. Uh, it didn't matter. Um, so like eyes wide shut, you weren't like extra policing. Now what I would do is if there was like a parent and a child that was coming in and the child was really little and they were going to see something, I would say something like now there is a ton of stuff. Is that okay with you? Like, it's your choice. As long as you're where, there with them, I don't care. I just want to make sure you I don't know want what, you to be shocked. Right. Yeah. And and most of the time they would be like, yeah, but every now and then there'd be one pair. like, oh, really? What is it? What, what, what? What, what, what? <laughs> well, let's go watch Sky High. Or, <laughs> <laughs> is it the Kurt Russell superhero, superhero movie? Yeah. yeah. That's another one. I don't one know why my, that's the movie that popped in my I, head. I, I appreciated it. That's another one of my favorite movie going experiences was one time uh, back when the Florence Theater was still there. Uh, we went as a family, like my mom, my dad, and my, all my siblings and me went to uh, went to the movies and we saw Are you talking about like the Erlinger one, like Danbury or something. Um, no. So the, uh, 
And, and I, it, it's torn down now, but not, not the Danbury, but the one that was like on 75 when you're heading. Yeah. 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 Um, so we went and saw coming off of the tales of like dumb and dumber and the mask and stuff. Jim Carrey's new movie. No, me, myself and Irene. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. I went and saw that with my fucking parents, dude. Oof. That movie is yeah. so crass and there's so much like dick humor and like it was there's like, like an extended parents, dildo joke in that, right? My yeah. Were yeah. It's like mortified. washing his butthole in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, and Did I you just sit there and watch it. the whole thing? Oh, yeah. We sat was it less funny because thing. they were there? No, dude. It, well, honestly, no. So I was very young. So a lot of it was over my head humor. You know right. what I mean? But like, I, I, I enjoyed but it because was like. slapping his knee. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dildo's in his ass. Well, my, my, <laughs> well, my parents are extremely old fashioned. So that like, the, it was mortifying for them. And us kids were having a great time because it's Jim Carrey saying fuck. You know what I mean? Like, but. It just a great experience because afterward, like my dad was like apologizing to us and stuff. Like I'm really sorry, I didn't know that that's what we were going to see. <laughs> that was a similar. I had a similar experience. Um, my, my mom and stepdad they chose the movie. We, we and it was the Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy. Eddie. Charlie Murphy. Murphy. <laughs> Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> the Eddie Murphy. Uh, um, Nutty Professor movie. Okay. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I have not seen this movie since. But we went and saw the movie. I don't remember anything about it, but something about it offended my parents so much that we left early and they were apologizing. It was the farting. We're so sorry you had to see that. So, and I I haven't gone back to like revisit it. So I don't even, I can't even tell you what it was that was so offensive to them that they were like, oh my God, Eddie Murphy's playing several characters. This is, (laughs) how dare you? Other actors need work. Come on, Steve. (laughs) Is that the one that has a Hercules? Hercules? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the same experience with Big Mama's house. Uh, I just made that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sensing a theme with these Midwestern parents. <laughs> Midwestern white parents. Black comedians in fat suits. My, uh, Black comedians doing drag. <laughs> no, sir. Not in front of my child. <laughs> I've got all these memories coming up now. Because um, when I was a little kid, some of the listeners, uh, the Gen Z listeners might be like, what? But when I was a kid, uh, to see what was playing at the theater, my, my dad actually had a he bought a newspaper for like a quarter every day. And there was a section of the newspaper where you would look and see what was playing in theaters and what the showtimes were. Mm-hmm. And they had like little movie poster, black and white pictures. And that's kind of how we in like little plot descriptions. And that's how we discuss things like there was no podcasts or anything like that, where I knew what was coming out months no from internet now to check out the trailers. Yeah. No videos. internet. Even it was literally just, you open the newspaper and you don't even know what Cisco the fuck that Ebert is was on late at night. So you might not have <laughs> even gotten to see it that Friday. Right. And, and, my, and I grew up very poor. So like these moments were very few and far between like where my dad could spare the money to go spend like, you know, like, for two people, even it's like 30 bucks, even back then, you know, all the popcorn and stuff was very expensive. And so if he had just gotten paid from like a, a building a wall or helping build a house or whatever, and we had some money and we'd get La Rosa's pizza and so, you know, he would say Sunday morning or something, he'd say, Hey, do you want to go see a movie? And, uh, I'd be like, fucking really, you know, hell yeah. You know, um, I love me, how little, little you is like, fucking really? <laughs> yeah, right, for sure. Cause I just watched American history X. Um, so, <laughs> but specifically, and it's gonna make me cry thinking about it. So I, I remember when the fast and the furious came out, 
Uh, and I didn't really get to spend that much time with my dad specifically alone with him either. Cause he was always really stressed. Um, and he's like, so we went and saw, you know, Paul Walker and Vin Diesel fucking racing. I almost said getting it on, which would have been a way different movie. Um, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> I can't quit you. <laughs> you want to race for pink slips? I want to race for something else. It's a whole um, different meaning to all in the family. <laughs> so we saw the original The Fast and The Furious. And, uh, you know, lit, my dad liked Lip Biscuits and rolling, rolling. Uh, yeah. We had a great... <laughs> Put it in your... Yeah! Uh, we had a great fucking time. Um, did you guys see that movie in the theaters or were you... Uh, aware of that and at the time i was aware of it i never saw it i hated i know you've told how much you hate those movies but i don't think you were old enough to actually work there for the original no but i I worked there definitely for tokyo drift and (laughs) right the worst of the franchise but no the every 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 year those movies came out there was a certain clientele that came out but what's interesting is great to work with <laughs> like the very first movie gave no indication that there would be a sequel yeah, much less like a nine film franchise that morphed into something completely different the first movie they're like racing cars but also they're trying to like what steal batteries or something yeah they're criminals and like he's stealing Paul Walker's something very cop. small peanuts and now they're like we got to take down the satellite before it destroys Ukraine or whatever <laughs> right <laughs> and I've, I've David Ayer directed it am I am I right uh, directed the original Fast and Furious. I, I want to say do, he I did. No I think idea so. Who directed that. I want to say yes. Do I saw it? I, I, I know. Loved, I love oh, the original Fast and the Furious, but I, I completely fell off after the second one, and I never saw. I think I saw like Fast Five or something, maybe. But other than the first two, I I've seen one. Caring. I've seen one Fast and the Furious to its completion, and that's <laughs> to completion. And that was. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and that was whatever the whichever one the one uh, that Paul Walker had passed away while while it came out. And that was his last you one. Just you wanted like to see what they did seven? with seven. More so, more so. My wife wanted to see what <laughs> what they did. And you didn't even finish the first one. No, I stand by the first one as a yeah, good movie. I've never but seen. It, it could the be the fond period. memories of it. I so at the time I was obsessed with Michelle Rodriguez. Um, Understandable. She was in like a boxing movie. I don't remember the name of it. And uh, I think Resident Evil was already out at that time. Right. And she had a, a, a so. bit part in that. And I don't know. I was just smitten with her. Um, I, I think that was the birth of Vin Diesel. So I can't imagine I was a fan of him um, or Paul Walker. Yeah. But anyway, I just uh, saving. I Private do Ryan specifically remember sitting alone. Right. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, he was in Band of Brothers, too, wasn't he? Everybody was. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, I just remember sitting next to my daddy. And that was before the Lord of the Rings stuff, I believe, or right around that same time. So anyway, really good fond memories of that. I mean, Steve, what is uh, something that stands out to you with movie theater? It's been a while since we heard from you and your memories. Um, you know, uh, there's a bunch of like small memories. Like uh, it's not like super big experiences, but I'm getting flashes of like really fun moments. For instance, uh, when my family went and saw Elf, uh, the Will Ferrell holiday movie. It was at Springdale Cinemas, and I think they oversold the auditorium because I remember watching all of Elf sitting on the stairs. Huh. So, like, we were just, it was, and I was sitting, I think it was just me and my mom, and I, I think my stepdad was there, but I remember sitting on the stairs with my mom and watching that movie, and, and that was nice. Uh, Revenge of the Sith came out. I remember me and a bunch of friends, Phil, 
uh, John, who was on, you know, we called him a couple episodes back. We went to see Revenge of the Sith. It was a midnight release, and Phil's dad came, and Phil's dad is a huge nerd, and I love Phil's dad, Charles. He looks like Tom Hanks. Um, and then my mom also went, and it was just fun, like, nerding out with Phil's dad, and then John, who's, like, a big, you know, shit stir, is like, hey, Steve, you want to... I'm going to, I'm going to get all these, these, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get all these nerds riled up. You want to help me? And I'm like, sure. So like we were in the theater and the theater was packed, but we were just waiting for the movies to start for like 45 minutes. Um, so he's like, let's all these star Wars fans, let's go up in the front and give them the live long and prosper star Trek hand signal and just piss all these nerds off. And we were like, like 17 or whatever it was at the time. So like, we're like, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> It's going to be so funny. <laughs> so we tell Phil to take a photo of the moment when it happens. Or no, I'm sorry. I got this reverse. John tells Phil and I to do that. And John's going to take the photo of it, of us while it happens. So Phil and I go up in the th- front of the theater. We do the hands hand gesture. Don't get any reaction whatsoever because no one gives a shit. <laughs> but, but the real funny thing is John's trying to take the photo and he's, he's on like an actual camera, not a phone. Yeah. Right? This is like a legit yeah. old school camera, you know, this to be clear to our listeners. He, and I can, and I see him cause he's like on that like middle <laughs> landing. He's taking the photo and he's trying to press the button. He's clicking the wheel to get another shot, right? Yeah, and I can tell he's pressing the photo, but nothing's happening. So he turns the photo around <laughs> to look at it. And right when he does that, the flash goes off and he falls backwards <laughs> onto the ground. <laughs> so it was just a comedy of errors of these dumb teenage kids. Like, let's let's stir some shit in the Star Wars screening. And then, like, no one reacts. And then the guy who organized it falls over. <laughs> hoisted by his own petard and they do react to that yeah um uh but a more recent one that it has a more you know kind of going into uh bad stories this theater experience was so bad it has since circled back around and has become one of my favorite theater going experiences oh shit um so we went and saw annihilation Oh, Natalie Portman movie. Natalie Portman movie. We've talked about it a little bit on the show. Yeah, oh, it's a it's a really heavy sci-fi drama, um, and we go to the Marymount Theater, which is a very it's a local theater. It's very old school. Um, it's got a it's in an area with a lot of old clientele, um, and it's a sold out house, which surprised me. It was in their biggest auditorium, and it was sold out, which is very surprising for the theater. So we sit down, and there are. Three groups of people around us, and these three groups of people are all distracting from the movie in completely different ways, okay? The guys directly to my left are just the type of like, what's this sci-fi bullshit? I don't want So literally everything, like Natalie Portman would say something on screen, and dude would go, <laughs> that's that's what happened to me for rise of skywalker entire movie. i mean it was constant like like oscar isaac would look to his left like <laughs> i didn't understand why he was making that noise to my right were a group of older women who were very sweet who clearly had no idea what they had gotten themselves into <laughs> they just saw natalie portman on the, right. on the post and were like oh i like her she seems nice and, black swan was a little rough but then, let's give her another shot 
And then the, the bear scene happens, and you're like, I don't think we made a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just a cacophony of like, oh, oh my, uh, what's going on? What is this? Like, it's that person. Right. Directly behind me is the person who is 100% engaged with everything happening and does not have a silent mode. So Oscar Isaac looks to his left. <gasps> Oh my god! <laughs> so the entire that show says that was my what's happening? Oh wow! <laughs> None stop, and it was maddening. But by the end of the movie, I'm like, I love this movie so much more because of these insane. <laughs> I want people. this like on audio so I can recreate this in my home. No one will believe that I got into a theater surrounded by the three stereotypes of bad movie going <laughs> patrons. <laughs> We uh, when we went to Marymount for the first time, it was when La La Land came out and we went to Newport on the levee and started La La Land and the audio was fucked up. It was like super quiet. And we were like, this is a fucking musical. This is a problem. We can't watch a a musical that we can't hear. That's how dedicated we are. And so we were like, (laughs) we need to get out of here. This movie's supposed to be amazing. So So because Andy was in charge, we got a refund. (laughs) You know, if it had been up to me, I'd have watched it and been angry the whole time. But so we, uh, we got a refund and then we looked up movie times and we saw it was playing at Marymont and we drove out there. It was the first time we'd ever been there. And, uh, it was basically us and a geriatric crowd, uh, just rocking out to La La Land. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. Another day of sun. These old people dancing. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I do have a couple <clears throat> real quick, like these are, these aren't really stories. They're just moments that happen in a theater that are burned in my memory. Cause they bring me so much joy. Um, one of them was at Marymont. It was the Apollo 11 documentary that came out a couple years ago that was like all done up with yeah. found footage, like high def found footage from the Apollo missions. And it's produced by CNN. So the logo at the beginning of the movie starts up with CNN and this old guy goes, fake news. <laughs> and like everyone erupts in applause. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> uh, another example is uh, the movie Serenity, the film uh, based, you know, a continuation of the storied Joss Whedon uh, TV series Firefly. The the movie opens and it cuts to black. It shows the title of the movie Serenity, which you know it, the the camera then pulls back and reveals that that's the painting of the name of the ship that it's on. So it pulls back to reveal the ship. But when it reveals the title Serenity, this guy just goes Serenity, <laughs> <laughs> completely silent auditorium. Serenity. <laughs> like, uh, wow. Cracks me up. Um, last Skywalker hyperspace moment where she goes into hyperspace and destroys all the Imperial ships. And that's a dead ass quiet scene. Last Jedi. Year, or last Jedi. Thank you. Uh, no sound at all. It's beautiful imagery. All of us thought that the theater broke, right? Well, I, I assume some people did. Yeah. But like, it's completely quiet. And again, you just hear one guy go, nice (laughs) (laughs) fucking hilarious and then i think i might have told this one before on the show but it's and correct me if i have but it's the up when i saw up for the first time i don't think so i don't remember so the pixar's up the first the first 10 minutes is this beautiful somber sad destruction of the soul just destroys you it's so emotional and sad uh, there were these teenagers that were sitting in the front of the of the auditorium. And before the movie started, they were being really loud and obnoxious and taking selfies with the flash on. Right. And 
you know, they had kind of, they quieted down when the movie started, but they had already, you could tell they were on the nerves of everybody who was in that theater. And this is a 12 o'clock show, right? So there's parents. It had just opened up. There's a bunch of kids in the auditorium. So you, we get to the montage. The teenagers have been quiet for some time. It's really, really sad. It reveals the shot of uh, his wife is dead. And then one of the girls in the front goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> to which some dude in the back just goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> in a kid's film, it was maddeningly hilarious. Uh, yeah. And those are just, yeah, those are some of my favorite, like quick little sound bites that, from being in a movie theater. My favorite sound bite was Return of the King, Midnight Release, after that movie's third ending, because that movie, go, the ending <laughs> of that movie goes on forever. Like it fade, keeps fading the white and then fading back in. The third time it did that, some dude in the back went, Oh, come on. Because <laughs> it's a super fucking long movie. At this point, it's almost four in the morning. And like oh, we're, yeah. we're all like taking off school the next day to to go watch return of the king and uh yeah i'll, I'll never fucking forget that i think one. i was there with you mm-hmm. yeah my brother one. took us yep that's awesome that's one thing i was going to mention i got a couple little tidbits before we wrap up um in general i don't know if like the younger crowd probably maybe never even did this but you used to have if you wanted to see a true premiere it was you know thursday at midnight mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They don't do that anymore. I mean, they do, but like you can see it at seven, seven on Thursday now, yeah. um, sometimes even earlier. And like, I guess they were trying to fill more seats. Theaters were already dying. So they started adding earlier showings for the, but it used to be like this huge event. If you've been waiting on a movie for, for, for years and years, you know, you had to call off work or call off school or, and, and, and go see it at midnight with a Show group of friends way earlier to get a good spot in line. Yeah. So get giant lines of people. They absolutely. Didn't have seating at the time. Yep. You were done if you wanted a good seat uh, or even sometimes tickets at all. You know, it was like a big concert yeah. event. It was monumentous. And I miss that. Um, right now you can download the app on your phone, buy the ticket for seven o'clock Thursday. It's, it's not because fa- back like Phantom of the Menace, when that came out, like remember Chrissy's brother, James dressed up in this like super complicated uh, Darth Maul costume um, and was like walking around the the lobby of the Great Escape with like a fake lightsaber and shit and looked really, really he put a lot of effort into it. And, I don't remember. His, I remember um, him in a robe. I don't remember having like they he had, had the, the makeup full makeup shit? on. Yeah, it was really impressive. James did a great job. Um, stuff like that. Like everybody's dressed up in cosplay yeah. for a movie. You know what I mean? Like people don't really do that anymore. It's like, why would you do that? Um, but that was the thing back then. Um, oh, I'm going to wear the sweater for Knives Out too. hundred <laughs> good, percent. Good, good. The cake on that sweater. sweater? Yeah. yeah. Um, but my one of the small memories I remember, because um, a lot of people complain about this, but it happens with Marvel movies a lot now. But like the, the thunderous applause and, and audience interaction. Yeah. I am a huge like phone off, be quiet, don't interrupt the art kind of guy. I love Alamo Drafthouse and their whole mentality. But at the same time, I love those like midnight premiere energy for certain kinds of movies. And so I remember it was uh, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, Legolas uh, at Helm's Deep when he slides down the stairs on the shield shield, and shoots everybody with his arrows. I mean, people, he got a fucking standing O for that. Yeah. People putting pinkies in their mouths, whistling. And I just, the energy, it was so awesome. Like we were all united um, in this one thing. It didn't matter creed or color or political stance. We all knew Legolas was the shit (laughs) and it felt good. I just wanted to bring that up. I went to a one of my favorite midnight premieres that I ever went to because we I think we all have the shared experience of going to a Lord of the Rings and to a Star Wars mm-hmm. and being Harry part Potter. Of that. Yeah. Harry, yeah, Harry Potter. Um, uh, the one that I, always stands out to me 
for just being an audience being just completely on the same wavelength and making the movie that much better for it was I went by myself to the midnight release of snakes on a plane. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) You were that guy. Nice. Nice. That theater was sold out because it's fun to make fun of. But remember back then the zeitgeist around that movie was like, they're making this movie. It sounds insane. It was, it was a meme of a movie before memes are really that big of a thing. Yeah. And so everyone who came to the the midnight release was just on that level of this movie's probably going to be terrible. And if it's anything better than that, we're going to riot. <laughs> <laughs> Literally one guy showed up dressed up. He dressed up as a plane and then had like one of those giant snake <laughs> boas that you get from like a carnival that are like hot pink in color. Yeah. Like draped around, like he was wearing it like a bow and he was dressed up as a plane and dancing around. And, a snake on a plane. Yeah. And I've never been in a theater where like everyone was like yelling, like, don't go in there. There's a snake. And then a snake <laughs> would come out and everybody, yeah. <laughs> it was a magical experience. Yeah. This is I, awesome. I, I miss those. It's like Rocky Horror. Just That's what I was yeah, about to say. Yeah. I've never done that. I haven't um, either. I want to go to the midnight show of Rocky Horror. They have one, or they had one every other week, every other Saturday at Esquire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never. What's the, what's the, 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 the opera that they do that with now? Uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Is that what you're talking about? They do that a lot sometimes. No, it's like a horror opera. Oh, um, um, I know what you're talking about. Um, Little Shop of Horrors. No. no, but they, they started doing that with uh, the room. The room has a, a, a interactive all audience style screenings now. Like the Brie Larson movie? No, no, no. no the, uh, that's room. <laughs> that would be a terrible <laughs> idea. Like, what no. the fuck? No. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> the disaster artist guy? I, I'm blanking. I, Tommy. Tommy was out. Tommy was out. Yeah. They're, they're, they do... Um, Rocky Horror like screenings of that now where there's like interactive audience thing where like I guess there's something tearing me apart Lisa there's something with spoons where like if spoons show up everyone goes spoons and they start throwing <laughs> spoons at the screen <laughs> yeah people are awesome yeah. I miss that stuff I can't wait to to go back to the theater um, I guess that about wraps up our time here obviously we we, we love the theater going if you have a great story yeah. or memory of a movie theater please share it with us um, I think Andy and I's our baby driver experience we've told yeah, we've talked about before it's definitely my favorite movie going experience when the the sound kept cutting out and then they they kept restarting it and the audience started doing the sound effects when the audio wouldn't work and <laughs> it would the screen would freeze and some guy would be like bet you wonder how i got here yeah. which is like a flashback kind of thing it was it amazing was everyone united to make it a good experience because it was an advanced screening so the movie's not even out for like two or three more weeks mm-hmm. so it's all movie critics and people that had just gotten sent special passes from sony and and we came so close to leaving yeah and then i didn't i mean it was literally almost an hour before they got this movie running and so the first time it went out it was playing the entire opening 15 minutes which that's one of the most amazing uh action set piece car chases to open a movie with ever and it's completely quiet there's no audio whatsoever and so we're all like we don't know that this is not what's supposed to happen at first we're just like this is a weird choice for edgar right (laughs) and then eventually some fucking hero in the back i mean it cuts to you know this like honda civic or a porsche where the fuck it is i'm not a car guy and it like fishtails uh drifts around a corner and some hero way in the back just starts going and then we all kind of start giggling we don't know what to do and then some other hero off to the left a cop starts chasing him and he starts going 
<laughs> and so then that becomes the thing. And we're all like, yes. And it's, it's amazing. Um, one of the best, like I've, I've never felt more a part of a community than yeah. I did in that moment. It was really cool. And, and then one of the best movies I'd ever seen in my life. Mm. So that was awesome. So absolutely, if you have a favorite movie theater experience or maybe even a worst memory that you'd like to share, it's cringeworthy and wonderful. We want to hear it. You can always write us at streamingthingspod at gmail.com. Of course, we love reading your emails. Or we have something a little special we want to try. Steve? Well, we do. It's, you know, it's the year 2021. It's time that we upgrade. <laughs> we go away from With emails. two D's. To back to telephones you can <laughs> we streaming things now has a google voice number that you can call and leave us voicemails so if you want to tell us about your favorite or least favorite movie going experience or anything else for that matter henceforth you can now call our number that number is eight five nine seven five seven four zero five one so yeah just call that leave us a voicemail and you never know you might hear your voice uh the next time you listen to streaming things and i'm sure steve will be uh kind enough to put that phone number in the show notes as well so you can just click straight to it if you want to leave us a message we'd love to hear your beautiful voices and on top of all that please remember to follow us on twitter if you're so inclined you can find me at c michael writes i'm at andy most days and i'm steve may 13 thank you so much we love you all happy, happy streaming, streaming.